0: Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. She wasn't
1: doing this to set out to create a global social enterprise. She wasn't trying to impact thousands and thousands of people. She operated with this mindset of one life at a time. Let that be enough. Start small, stay long, and don't be afraid to grow.
0: What's going on, Rudder Nation? Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and we're going to be joined by author, podcast host, and the behind-the-scenes guide to story brand, Tim Shore. Tim Shore has just published a book called The Secret Society of Success. And he's going to share with us how getting away from this idea of having to be in the spotlight to have success is probably what's holding us back and keeping us in that rut. Because we find ourselves stuck in comparison games, metrics that probably don't really matter. And what if, just what if, your secret sauce to success was helping others reach their goals, their dreams. And in doing that, you grow and become what you are supposed to be. So sit back and relax unless you're throwing staples into a brand new stapler, wondering why it's no longer a red stapler, and you're wondering where somebody took your red stapler. uh, In that case, don't burn down the office and uh, probably don't throw staples. That's probably dangerous. Uh, But here we go. All right. Hey, Tim, how are you doing?
1: Oh, man, I'm doing great. So fun to be here. Excited to see you and, and hang out for a little bit.
0: Awesome. Same here. I mean, anytime Jody you know, knocks on my in- email inbox and says, Hey, I've got a guy you got to meet for your show. Uh, the answer is pretty much a yes and then after that i figure out why (laughs) and uh, and so i i had the honor of reading your book uh the secret society of success i mean because it came in the mail Uh, so whoever sent that to me thank you uh because i'd forgotten i asked for it i don't even remember giving my address out and when it was there i was like yes that's so awesome Uh, so once i've been reading it uh it just made sense. Uh, Jody. Okay. You, you really do match up shows and friends and all that good stuff. And, and so that's just been really neat. So Jody, thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jody's the, the, he's such a cheerleader. And what I love about it is he, he just makes all these connections. It's just part of who he is. He's wanting to help other people. And What I love too, though, and it's just so in line with this book, he's not wanting the credit. He doesn't care about recognition. And what's amazing is you and I are sitting here talking about this guy, Jody Mayberry. Everybody needs to know and have a Jody Mayberry in their life just because it makes life better. And just the way that he lives and operates is just so inspiring and it makes me want to do so much of the same. So... Yeah. It, he's amazing.
0: I love that guy. <laughs> he he walks the talk of the book, which is amazing. He does.
1: Yes. He does. Uh
0: now he shared with me that you're with a company called Storybrand uh and that immediately had recognition with me cuz I mean Jody didn't know this but one of the first books I read in 2022 was written by a guy named uh donald miller you may have heard of him (laughs) and it was about how to build your story brand i was like okay cool and so when he when jody introduced me and said that this is the guy behind the scenes of story brand i was like oh cool and then it, it just it clicked because you know here i am going you know having a conversation with you the guy behind the scenes of a company that's all about being the person behind whoever they've elevated so you know you the listener. You're the story that we're trying to elevate through beyond the rut. And, you know, story Brand does that for people all around the world.
1: Yeah. One of the big keys with StoryBrand, a huge paradigm shift, because we work with companies who are looking at their marketing, how they communicate, talk about their brand. How can you do that in a more engaging and compelling way? And one of the big paradigm shifts is that idea is your brand is not the hero. Your customer is the hero. So how can you come alongside them? You're Luke's, uh, you're Yoda. They're Luke Skywalker. Yes. And I think exactly what you just said described. If you're the host of a podcast, this isn't about you. It's not about me, the guests on the podcast. It's about doing everything that you and I can collectively to help the person listening win in their life in some way, shape or form. But if you and I step into these things as though we are the hero, you know, whatever that I just think it's not, it's not that interesting it's not that yeah. helpful it's when we get out of the way and just allow the content to be the thing that ultimately helps the person on their own journey so I spent almost 10 years working with Don building that business and just in February of this year so just a couple months ago transitioned out I left a dream job to chase a new dream as an author and a speaker so I'm on a bit of an adventure. But so much of what I learned working with StoryBrand and building that team from day one, I was employee number one, and it's grown to what it is today. So much of that experience has taught me now what I I know about what it looks like to serve and, and help others and I'm super grateful for having had that experience for sure.
0: Yeah, it seems like uh, it's something that's just been a part of you even before you started working for StoryBrand. If I recall correctly, there was a time you were aiming to be the next John Mayer
1: you know singing about how people's <laughs> bodies
0: are a wonderland and stuff like that and uh, along comes a guy named Steve and everybody's like hey you know have you heard his new song and you're like who's this guy i you know no i'm trying to be the next john mayer not him uh but you found that if i could collaborate with this guy if you could collaborate with this guy that and do a tour together then that would give some exposure to you that was your initial intent when you partnered up with him uh but then you had this aha moment during the tour Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So there was a time in my life, uh, this was early on in college, I started writing songs and pretty quickly the aspiration was exactly what you just said, I want to be the next John Mayer. And. So I spent a couple of years living in Kansas City where I was going to to college and then ended up for my third year of school, moved to Nashville to just continue chasing this dream. And while I'm at Belmont University, I meet this guy, Steve Mochler, and everyone was talking about Steve like he was going to be the next John Mayer, which was impossible <laughs> because I was going to be the next John Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me a while, but slowly i found myself kind of uh finally being able to just acknowledge gosh these guys this guy's songs they're incredible he's he's so talented and i ended up approaching him one day in the the school cafeteria and asked him if he wanted to go on a tour together and for me it was a for me, that whole experience was another attempt to just get in front of more people, mm-hmm. to get more eyes on what it is that I was doing. And what's interesting is we're in that, on that tour and I just found myself just really full of discontent because everything that I was experiencing was me just being in this comparison headspace where everything that I did, I just was comparing myself to him. He was selling more merchandise. More people knew his songs than knew mine. I I just felt like he wasn't even trying. And that's, probably like so many of us in our lives, we're, we're discontent in this comparison towards other people. And so in the book, I talk about this idea that I call the spotlight mindset, this unhealthy desire for attention and recognition. And I love starting here because if we don't realize what it is in our lives that is making us feel discontent, dissatisfied with our lives, it's hard to really know how to resolve the problem so that we can live more meaningful and fulfilling in lives that we're excited about. So Let's, let's try to identify the problem in our life. I heard someone named Tom House say problem identification is half the solution. We have to know what we're up against and the spotlight mindset is what we are up against. So I love to just talk through a couple of these symptoms of the spotlight mindset in hopes that more people can identify that in their lives so that we can actually start to head Towards success, but maybe we can look at success maybe a little bit differently than we are today. So, nice. I'll read a couple of these, and uh, maybe you'll find yourself here. So, comparison. What I was just talking about. This struggle that I was up against is I'm comparing myself to Steve Mokler on this tour as you know a wannabe John Mayer. So, comparison. Do you wish you were someone else, or wonder how your success stacks up against others? Are you jealous in a way that gets in your way? Okay, check. (laughs) That was was me. (laughs) Striving. Do you struggle to find contentment in your life? Does it lead you on a restless pursuit for more? I mean, that was it. There was... There's so much in the world that we live in today that just says more, more, more chase. Have there is always another level. Yeah. You go play in front of a hundred people. You should be in front of a thousand. And then from there you like what, what level is enough, enough? And so that was one for me. So comparison striving. Here's another one damaged relationships. Does money, fame or status? trump other things in your life? Are your relationships suffering because of it? There's somebody that I've actually been pretty inspired by. His name's Michael Hyatt. And in one of his books, he talked about a particular experience from his past that really was a failure for him. And so at the time, Michael was given the opportunity to run a division at a book publishing company. And that division was ranked 14th out of 14 Mm -hmm. Uh, on the earlier divisions when it came to all the significant metrics, team morale, revenue. I mean, they were at the bottom. So Michael tells the then CEO, give me three years and I'm going to turn this thing around. Well, in only 18 months, Michael turned the thing around and that division was now at the top. Number one in revenue, team morale, they couldn't stop winning. So Michael As the leader of this team gets a bonus check that he says was greater than his annual salary. He was thrilled. Like he couldn't wait to get home and talk to his wife about it. His wife was his biggest fan. He knew she would be so excited.
0: Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part: CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence, designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com/capshow. That's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now. Back to the show.
1: So he gets home, sits down with his wife and experienced a very different conversation than he had expected. And she starts with, we need to talk. And with tears in her eyes, she talks about how he said, your five daughters need you now more than ever before. And and in fact, I feel like a single parent. Mm. That is not the conversation he expected to have with his wife. But yeah. his wife was just feeling something in that moment that was very opposite of what Michael was feeling. So here he had all the success at work, but relationships with the people that mattered most to him were suffering because of it. Yeah. So, you know, there is this need and this importance for us to answer this question. If I were to say, fill in the blank here, success is... How would we finish that sentence? How do we define success? Because if it's status, if it's a promotion, if it's your um, ability to step into some kind of spotlight or climb the ladder, if if that is what success is, then I just would have to believe that it would probably be leading us on a – it could potentially be leading us on a really unhealthy path. And maybe we're suffering with comparison and striving and, you know, maybe – the relationships with people that matter most to us are suffering because of it. So, you know, just to close the loop on that Michael story, he ends up writing this book not too long ago called Win at Work and Succeed at Life. He talks about the double win, how can you define success in winning at work yeah. and at life. So, I love that and uh but that doesn't come without a fight. We have to learn to fight against this spotlight mindset, this unhealthy desire for attention and recognition. Because if we don't, I think it's going to lead us nowhere good.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, coming across, uh, I was hanging out with some folks, and we came across somebody who was on social media. And somebody in my group had recognized the person on social media. And uh, the question that had come up, well, what's your relevance? And I thought it was such an odd question because to me, everybody is relevant. You know, Even this person who was mm-hmm. filming some kind of video on the other side of this parking garage. And the person shouted out a number. And I was like, I have no idea what that number is. And it turns out that guy was shouting back the number of followers on his account. And then whoever was in my group said, "Oh yeah, cool. Well, I'll follow you then," because the number was big enough to to yeah. be, I guess, relevant to this person. And it was just it just blew my mind that this person's worth and value to the person in my group was the number of followers he had or did not have. And I thought, wow that that just sort of cheapens who we are in a way. And, you know, what if he didn't have those followers? You know, what would his sense of worth be for himself? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to derail he, you. I just
1: <laughs> no, no. I, I, it is a thing that I think so many of us are up against in the culture that we live in. You, you can turn your head any way that you choose and you're going to find some scoreboard to measure yourself against. Yeah. Whether it's how many people you have working at the company that you lead, whether it's um, your job title in comparison to others, you know where you fall in the org chart. It's a, it's another form of hierarchy or scoreboard. Yeah. Um, and and I think if we aren't clear in our own value, if we haven't defined what success is, we're going to just continue to look at these various scoreboards and find our value and our worth in that. And these things, some of these things are worth paying attention to. But I I think that you and I would both agree. The number of followers that you have on social media doesn't, uh, you know, dictate whether or not somebody's a good person and, and right. living a meaningful and impactful life and career. And so, if success for me looks like okay, let's actually start there. What is success, and then is the way that you're living in line with who it is that you want to be. And the beautiful thing is you actually get to define that for yourself. So the question that I had was, okay, if it's not stepping in the spotlight, if it's not climbing the ladder, what is it? What is success? How can we define it? Um, because I just hear that it's all these things, but there's something about it that just doesn't sit quite right with me. And so I discovered this secret society of people that have shown me a new way to live. I, they are giving me ideas for what success can look like. And, you know, one of my favorite stories is, you know, I I love basketball. I I play a couple mornings a week super early uh, before my kids wake up. And um, in 2020, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA finals. So they give a trophy out to the person and sorry, they give a trophy out to the team. Who wins the finals? But at the end of the NBA season, they also give a trophy out to the scoring leader, who's the person in the NBA who had the highest points per game average. So it's a pretty big deal to be the scoring leader. Michael Jordan won that thing a record setting 10 times. So you got a guy like LeBron, he's got all the talent in the world to win the scoring leader title if he wanted to. He's one of the greatest basketball players in history. But what's interesting to me is in 2020, LeBron didn't win the scoring title. In fact, he wasn't even in the top five. Wow, yeah. But LeBron led the league in assists, meaning the way that he chose to play and ultimately how he and his team won was by him setting his teammates up to score. So what if success is in the assist, What if we actually postured ourselves in our lives and in our careers where we are not as interested in us being the person who has to score? But what if we actually started to look at our life and thought, how can I help somebody else win? And if we do that, that's the thing that's going to bring us the kind of fulfillment that we're really looking for. Because I think a lot of us would agree when you help somebody else win, often that's just so much more rewarding and fulfilling than anything that you can go and chase and tackle on your own. So what if success is in the assist? So these are the kinds of things that I've learned from somebody like LeBron James, who I would consider in the secret society of success, because he's just looking at success a little bit differently than
0: a lot of other people are. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I One of the things I picked up when I was a sergeant in the army was that you would think that, you know, military, the way military history is told, that it's all about the generals. It's all about that person who said, follow me. Let's blow that thing up. Uh, but what I learned was that a lot of how we measured a leader's success or effectiveness wasn't what that leader could do while the leader was around. It was what that leader's team could do when we pulled that leader out of the picture and who could step up, who was already there doing the work, uh, who could step into the, you know, into the spotlight uh, for to inspire others. And that was really the measure of the effectiveness of that leader. And so it taught me very early on that the more the people who report to me at work can do the work one better than I could if I did it myself to do it without a lot of daily direction from me. Uh, and I just step back and take more of a supporting role. It was just like. I noticed other people would notice and give me credit. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't do that. Uh, that person over there did that. And they worked with this person over here and coordinated with that department over there. And that's how this thing got done. I just got to stand in the middle of it and see it happen and then ask for like help from this department over here. That's that's all I did. And I'm like, oh, you're so humble. I'm like, no, seriously. That is exactly what happened. And yeah. it, so that resonates with me that... You know, the win or the success is in the assist, not so much jumping in the spotlight yourself and saying, look at me.
1: Yeah. And what you just described is another key characteristic of people in the secret society. And it's this idea of giving credit and recognition to others. So Tim Cook is the CEO of Apple. But before that, he was COO under Steve Jobs. Well, Steve Jobs passes away. The person who'd been groomed to take over is Tim Cook. So at the release of the Apple Watch, which was a pretty big moment for Tim and Apple because this was the first new product in a new category since Steve had passed away. And they had released other iPhones and computers, but this is a first new, brand new product. So Tim's being interviewed on national television after the announcement, and David Muir asks him, is this the moment for you, the moment of your career at Apple? And just think how you would respond if you're Tim Cook in that moment. So you'd been for the last several decades under the radar in the shadow of Steve Jobs. People had no idea all that you'd done to contribute to the company's success in that time. Maybe you'd want to use this as a moment to let people know. You have what it takes to take this company into the next era and also to just get a little credit for the work that you've done for all these years, (laughs) right? The spotlight mindset, that's how it would want us to respond, to take the credit. But Tim doesn't respond that way at all. What's beautiful is when asked, is this the moment for you, the moment of your career at Apple? He says, well, it's a moment for Apple. I don't really think about myself that much. And that to me, those two sentences tell me everything that I need to know about how he shows up as a leader and the kind of culture that he wants modeled in the rest of his organization. This is how he wants his people to show up, which is no one person greater than the team, no one person trying to take the credit for a thing that so many of us contributed to, but just responding with just humble confidence. Yeah, It's confidence in that he knows the value that he brought. He knows what he has done to contribute to the company's success, but he doesn't need to remind everybody about that. He's just content having the seat that he's had, playing the role that he's played. And it's also humility, just acknowledging the fact that For an Apple Watch to be released would take, what, hundreds if not thousands of employees? (laughs) So for him to try to take the credit in that moment would be ridiculous. So it reminds me of this plaque that sat on Ronald Reagan's desk when he was president. And I actually have a replica of the exact same plaque on my desk. And it says this, there is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. Yes, I what think it's in the that book is how we define success. What if it's not about getting the credit and the recognition? But what if success is found in doing that for others and not minding if we ever get the credit or the recognition that you know maybe we feel we deserve yeah.
0: and it's so counterintuitive to to latch onto that mantra because we think that you know our names have to be attached to a project that did well. And we gotta be in that limelight. And the reality is the more you step away from that and let others also shine, the your project actually does succeed and then you are able to uh you know, receive some of that credit or be a part of that project. Um and it, it just always amazes me. It just yeah, that if it's less about me and more about the end goal and everybody else being a part of that, then you do have something that is successful that you can put your name to in the end. So I love that. That's probably why the guy became president, right? (laughs) Two term, not just one. (laughs) Oh, man. And, and, you know, you talk about it being a secret society because it essentially is that. It's the quiet professional. It's the person who sees the, the bigger picture of what can be if it's not just about me and it's about others. Uh, I've heard, you know, a guy named Vincent Puglisi, uh, he's, you know, in a previous episode, uh, talked about generous goals that, you know, one's own personal goals should be about lifting others up. And when you do that, it kind of raises everybody's ships up. So a very uh, John F. Kennedy kind of uh, philosophy in that sense. Um, You know, talk about in your in the book uh, the football team that showed up, and even though they only have sixty players on the roster, they have one hundred and thirty people show up. So you got these seventy folks in the background who make sure the sixty on the field have everything they need to succeed. And then uh, you know, you even talk about you know my new. NASA hero, you know, the the household name, Michael Collins. <laughs> and everybody's like, who the heck is Michael Collins?
1: <laughs> Do you yeah. want to tell
0: folks about that a little bit?
1: Oh, yeah. And that whole idea of every person on a team matters. We, How can we get beyond ourselves and focus on something even bigger? How can we be a subplot of a story and mm-hmm. not strive to be the story, right? And that is one of my favorite stories. I, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Apollo 11. You know, you've got Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But what a lot of people don't know, there's actually a third astronaut on that mission, and you said his name, Michael Collins. Yeah. So here you've got Michael Collins, the guy Ubers Neil and Buzz <laughs> to the moon. He drops them off so they can do all the various tasks that they have to do on the moon's surface, while he back in the command module orbits them in something like 26 times until these guys are ready to be picked up. Yeah. I don't know if they sent him a text message or whatever, but <laughs> he let them know somehow they were ready to be picked up so they could all, you know, make their way back to earth. And what would make it a miserable story is if Michael were to get back, sit down with the press and say something like, well, it sure would have been nice to actually walk on the moon and you know, acted like a victim, (laughs) tried to take the spotlight from the mission as a whole. But what's beautiful is he didn't respond that way at all. He talked with the press about how content he was to have had one of those three seats. Mm -hmm. And so for us, do we need to walk on the moon to be happy? (laughs) Or can we play the role that we are given the opportunity to play. And I think for some people, they misunderstand what I'm saying as though to be in the secret society means leave ambition at the door. And that's not at all what I'm saying. I mean, think about Michael Collins. For him to even have had one of those three seats meant, what, meant he was incredibly talented, best in class. He just didn't walk on the moon. But do we have to actually do that to be successful? I, I just I don't think that you do. And Michael Collins models a version of success that is very attractive to me. And it's somebody willing to do the work, whether or not they get the credit and the recognition. And, you know, there was a day where working alongside Don, he released a book several years ago called Scary Close. And about a week and a half after a book comes out, you find out if it hit a bestseller list. So he's on the phone with the publisher, and we knew this was the call where we'd find out if it made one of these lists. So he gets off the phone, raises his hands in the air, and tells the whole team, we hit number five on the New York Times, which is a pretty big deal. As an author, the New York Times list is, you know, for a lot of people, the primary goal. So we high-fived, we hugged. He had been on the New York Times before, but this was the this was the highest any of his books had ever, you know, hit on on that list. So we celebrated, but then something really beautiful happened. We all went back to work. <laughs> we just walked back to our offices and started finishing, you know, the other work that we were finished the work that we had been working on before. And some would look at that and maybe say, y'all are dysfunctional. You don't know how to celebrate wins. But I actually look at it very differently. I saw a group of people, a culture that we had created, which was a team who just understood that it's about the work, falling in love with the work itself, not necessarily where that work will lead. Sure, we had a goal of doing everything we could to release the book well to set ourselves up to potentially hit a list, which we did, but I was gonna show up for work the very next day the exact same way, whether we hit that list or not. That to me is a definition of success that I can get behind. Somebody who defines success in the work itself, success in the process, success in the process, not the result. And so many of us just get head faked by this idea that we have to chase the result when I just wonder what would happen, what would our lives and careers look like if we actually became obsessed and found contentment in the journey itself.
0: Uh, It's huge. Uh, I was just thinking, you know, in podcasting, for example, you know, there's that one measurement that gets asked, especially if you go to like a podcast movement conference or any podcasting conference, or, or just have a conversation with other podcasters. And it's that it's almost like the equivalent of like, how much money do you make? And it's how many downloads do you get per episode? And you're like, Oh man, we were having such a cool conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, because now it becomes a comparison game and then you, you know, like either you know puff yourself up or you you kind of retract a little bit. And, and you know I even struggle with that. You know, that, you know for me if I were to compare myself to other podcasts it'd be like ah uh, after 8 years of podcasting that's it. And my wife had said, "Jerry, are you doing it for the download numbers though?" I was like, "No." She's like, why are you bugging yourself about this? I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. And so when I refocused on, it's really about you know pulling out these stories, these aha moments, these these mindset shifts that pull us out of the rut in our lives, and then you know just put it out there because just by doing that, I'm at least pulling myself out of a rut, and then maybe there's somebody out there who listens and also comes out of that rut. And and ever since I've shifted my mindset back to that and reminded myself it was never about downloads. I've been happier doing this ever since, and um I, so I could totally you know get on board with the idea of it's about the process, it's about the work, and knowing that by putting that out there, you're at a minimum changing yourself, transforming yourself, and even better, you're transforming other people who see it, observe it, even receive it that's so it that.
1: and I've actually struggled and thought through, wrestled with the exact things that you're describing. So not only on the podcast front, but just in my life and career. So I just, I have a podcast called Build a Winning Team, and I just released an episode with Becca Stevens, and she's the founder of Thistle Farms. And in 1997, so 25 years ago, she opened a house for five women to come off the streets from trafficking, drug addiction, prostitution, you know, just some real struggle that they had been navigating in their lives so that these women can find healing and recovery from all that they had experienced. So now, 25 years later, Thistle Farms has grown into this massive social enterprise. They're making a splash all over the, the globe. And they now have seven houses in Nashville, across the country, 500 beds for women to, for free, Mm -hmm. for women to join these programs and find healing and recovery from the lives that they've experienced from all of these things. But what I love about Becca's story is she didn't get there by trying to get there. Meaning in, in 1997, opening that house for five women, she wouldn't, doing this to set out to create a global social enterprise. She wasn't trying to impact thousands and thousands of people. She operated with this mindset of one life at a time. Let that be enough. And for so many of us, we feel to have an impactful life and career, we need to touch hundreds, thousands of lives, whatever, right? We need to have X number of downloads on a podcast to be successful, But that's just not what Becca has done. In in this interview, she said, start small, stay long, and don't be afraid to grow. Start small, stay long, and don't be afraid to grow. And one day, you might have the opportunity to look back and see the impact that you'd made in the lives of others. But even if you impacted one life, what if that's enough, right? Yeah. So I heard this guy named Andy Stanley say once, The greatest contribution that you'll make may not be something you do, but in someone you raise. So for those listening that may be parents, what if the greatest contribution that you'll make in your life is not something you do, but in someone you raise? One life at a time, let that be enough. So I just launched this podcast a few weeks ago, and if I measure myself against the download numbers that I would see on the StoryBrand podcast, I am failing. But I'm listening to this Beckett interview today with tears in my eyes, just so grateful for that kind of content to be going out into the world to as many people as will listen. Because more people need to hear one life at a time. Mm -hmm. What if success is that? And I can't control the number of downloads. And to be honest, I just really don't care. I I would love for this content to impact as many people as possible because I, like you, learn so much from these conversations that I get to help facilitate. But it's the same in writing and releasing a book. I have no idea how many people are gonna buy it. I can show up and control the things that I can control. I can focus on enjoying the journey, focus on the process. But if I get caught up in the result, I'm sunk from the start. So what I'm trying to remind myself of, the thing I want to say out loud that my head and my heart can catch up to later is this idea of just falling in love with the work, doing everything that I do with excellence and letting the rest take care of itself because if I'm creating with that um, that posture of, you know, being about the assist, helping others win, that's success. I, I just don't need the download numbers or the books sold to try to tell me or the various scoreboards that we find ourselves up against. It's not social following. It's not whatever. I just don't think that's it. And if that's how we measure success, I just think we're in a bad spot. What if success looks like these other things? What if success looks like living in the way of the secret society? I think that for me is how I want to live, um, now and, you know, really for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah. There's a friend of mine, uh, Annika Fisher, who has been on the show and she, and she had me on her show. Um, and she once asked me, you know, what does success look like for me? And I remember telling her, um, you know, success for me is going to be something I'll never see. And she was like, what? And I I told her it's, it's not going to be measured in net worth property owned um, titles or anything. Uh, Success is going to be how many people come to my funeral and all the people I have no idea who I've touched through my life who are better for somebody, somewhere I've impacted. And um, you know, I'm I'm happy with that. You know, it's like, you know, so it, it changes how I treat other people. You know, I don't see them as a a stepping stone into the next stone I need to step on. They're not uh, somebody to be used. They're not um, uh, a means to an end. And, and so when you look at, I think when you look at who it is you need to help and who you can you help, uh, it, it just changes how you treat people. And I, I wonder, you know, what would the world look like if everybody just adopted that? Right. You know? Gosh,
1: I'm all about that. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder the same thing.
0: That's why you're on the show. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, folks, you, you got to get a copy of uh, you know Tim's book, The Secret Society of Success. Uh, it's it's an easy read. It's a powerful read. Uh, the the stories that he shares are amazing. He even mentions the uh, the Savannah bananas, and if you have no <laughs> idea who they are, you will. Uh, <laughs> I've been sitting like Tik. I'm on. I I watch a lot of TikTok. So every time they pop up on my for you page, I'm like, son, because he played baseball. I'm like, this is how I wish the game was played, especially when you yeah. were in it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about enjoying the journey. Right. I, I mean, it's it's crazy. You've got a team who has sold out several seasons in a row, four thousand plus tickets a game. Yeah. And they're like seven, eight levels below the major leagues.
0: Yeah. A Summer tiny collegiate. little team
1: <laughs> in Savannah, Georgia, the Savannah Bananas, and how have they achieved the kind of success they have? Because they're just focusing on everything they were talking about, creating an enjoyable experience for all of the people who show up at their games. Their goal is to entertain them. They, their company is called Fan First Entertainment. Yeah, and they just try to set everybody else up to win, and they also have had so much success because they just focus on that one life at a time, make an incredible experience for each and every fan that walks through those gates. And now they're getting a lot of recognition and notoriety. But what I also think is true for Jesse and the rest of his team, these are nice accolades, but they'd be doing the work regardless. Yeah. Whether or not people ever paid attention. Beautiful story. Perfect example of the secret society and, Jesse is an incredible human being I, I love that guy yeah
0: and where can folks get a copy of that I mean I mean I know it's on Amazon but where else yeah
1: <laughs> I took these so, I actually read the audiobook uh, so it's uh, the books available on audible but also amazon target.com you know Barnes and Noble wherever people buy books um, you can find the the secret society and hear me talk about or read about Jesse Cole and all these other stories that I've been sharing today. There's this group of people and we all can learn to be a part of it. That's what I love. It's called The Secret Society, but spoiler alert, it's not that secret. You, you just need to learn to redefine success in the way that, that we're talking about and describing today. And I think what it does for people, it just lets us exhale a little bit because we're like, oh, so I don't have to live that way. It's like, no, you don't. You don't. And everything that you are going to feel from culture is just pressuring you and pushing you to this particular way of thinking and doing and being. And it's, that's just not it. It's not. So if you go to secretsocietyfree.com, you can actually get two chapters for free. Um, so secretsocietyfree.com and. I'm, my goal truly is to just get out of the way. I, I want to start a conversation about what it looks like to redefine success. And if I sell a bunch of books, accumulate a following on social media, fantastic. I really don't care. Because if people are impacted by the content that we're putting out here, the conversations like you and I are having today, that's a win. I mean, that's I just can't think of a, a better way to spend my time and my life, um, helping other people win.
0: That's, that's what I'm all about for sure. Nice. Tim, any final words of wisdom?
1: So if there's a North Star, as I was working on this book and what will remain a North Star for me, it's this quote. And Albert Schweitzer said, I don't know what your destiny will be. Perhaps some of you will occupy remarkable positions. Perhaps some of you will become famous by your pens or as artists, but I know one thing, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. So may we be people who show up to help others win, to be comfortable in the seat that we have the opportunity to sit in, measure and define success for ourselves and chase after that. And I think that's the thing that's going to lead to more meaningful and fulfilling lives and
0: careers. Awesome. Tim, that was perfect. I'm excited that you were on here. I can't wait till this thing publishes, which by the time you're listening to this, it already published. So, you know, I got to that point and uh, man,
1: awesome stuff, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's
0: been so fun. Now you just heard Tim and I discuss the the traps that we fall into when we have embraced the spotlight mindset and we start comparing ourselves to others. We start thinking that the spotlight, the number of followers are what really matters. And instead we talked about let it be enough to just change one life at a time, to be there for somebody who needs you, your experiences, knowledge and expertise. And when you do that, when you really focus on helping others, help them shine, help them tell their story. Yours also comes out. Now, if you found value in this episode, hit the share button on however you're listening to us right now and send this to somebody, you know, would find value in it as well. So maybe that's a friend, a coworker, a family member, or that neighbor across the street or the hallway. Maybe it's a classmate who knows, but share it with somebody. Don't just keep it to yourself. That's kind of selfish. Now, the best way, that is the best thing you can do to pay the show back is to really pay us forward. Uh, if you want more information, like how do you get a hold of Tim's book? How do you find his website, his social medias, uh, all that good stuff? Go to our show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 308. There you'll find a link to his book. You can get a couple of free chapters for you know to, to see if you like the the book itself and you want to commit to the whole thing uh, you can also you know follow him on social media linkedin twitter facebook all those things uh, i'll also link in a couple of related episodes about you know living your best life and, and living for others so there's an episode we did about the outward mindset from the arbinger group uh, we talked about generous goals with vincent puglisi uh, just a few weeks ago uh, so you'll have that in the show notes as well so that's beyond the rut.com slash 308 now, I'm glad you joined me this week, and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Show is that they have one of the best communities ever.